um, uh, is it Zerubbabel? It's Zerubbabel. And uh, the Lord uh, tells him, it's not by might, it's not by power, it's by my spirit. And he said that um, it's also in the the same uh, scriptures there, it says, uh, speak grace, grace to the mountains. So I do believe it's a word for the church here that there'll be a new empowerment and a new level of grace for you guys to really um, release and join with your, the angel there and and release, begin to release this grace across the valley. So, um, okay, so um, this word God gave me on September 17th. I was actually praying, and the Lord gave me that song, Go Tell It on the Mountain, Over the Hills and Everywhere. I, it just came. It was like, you know that song? It's a great song. So I was singing that song, uh, but then I started to just pray. I was praying for the church. Um, and in particular, I was asking the Lord, how do we preach the good news if we're stuck? If we don't know who he is and who he says we are, we must have the Holy Spirit power to bring transformation into hearts. And then this was the flow that came to me uh, in the word that God gave. Um, The identity crisis is coming to an end in the body of Christ, for my spirit is coming to reclaim what the enemy has stolen. My words are living and alive, and you will go tell the world of my love for them and my purposes for their lives. The time is now. I live in you, and you are my witnesses. You are the ones I have chosen to speak the truth to the nations and break off the lies of darkness. Be the voice of my truth, and you will see the deaf hear and the blind see. Arise in this hour to the places I've called you into. Arise and shine with my glory on you. This is a new place. This is new territory to explore and to reclaim. It's time to rise above all that wants to silence your voice and your actions to stop your destiny in me. For there is a new sound, and you must be alert and rise up to hear what the Spirit is saying. There's an army on the move, and the roar of his voice will be heard across this land again. The voice of truth will not be silenced. Amen. I release that. Amen. Bless you guys. Hallelujah. I like the winds of winds of grace. Winds of grace. I like that. Winds of grace. Okay, we got to go fast because. Um, we don't have a lot of time, and I, I want to save it for everybody else. What did you say? Now he, well, he, he got me confused. What did you say about truth? The voice of truth. The voice of, the voice of truth. Um, we've had such a rich time here, such a deep, wide, high time, and so much. Each person that spoke, I found something that the Lord deeply expanded to me. So I had made notes. 
I have no idea what happened to that note thing. It doesn't matter because I know what's in my spirit. Um, in May, when she said about truth, there was a prophetic happening. I don't have time to explain it to you or anything else. You can call me, write me. I can explain it later. But in May, after the Feast of Passover, we were, Pastor and I were watching watch days. We studied the times and the times of the Lord, prophetic times, the secrets of times, all the things that were spoke about here. And we have learned to, about a couple of watch dates after the Feast of Passover to watch and see what happens on these dates. And on one of those dates, May 5th, um, the political uprising that you've seen in our nation and the turmoil and the tumults of everything going on, I don't get political. I stay above that in the spirit realm on God's side, okay, according to the laws of God. But on that day, um, many things were happening in our nation again. This war over the truth, the war over deception, the war over the lies of the enemy. And God appointed uh, one of uh, President Trump's, Trump's lawyers uh, resigned. And most people were shocked that Cohen was resigning. And they're like, what's this all about? Like, why is he resigning? Lots of things are going on behind the scene. And not just the scene in Washington, D.C., but up here, guys, in the second heavens. And God is doing great things. And that day, on that particular watch date, we got excited. We called our elders and told them, because we've talked to them enough about some of this background on how these watch dates, prophetic watch dates came to be. And that day, there was a man, a lawyer, appointed to President Trump, and his name on that day was Emmett Flood. And Emmett means truth. Truth Flood. A truth flood. That, and so we got our our intercessors together, we got the elders together, and we said, we've got to tell you, we downloaded this much, much bigger and wider than this, but I'm just going to simplicity. Truth flood. We didn't know because this is prophetic. We're not looking back. We haven't lived it yet. We're not exactly sure. And before we start preaching and throwing stuff out there like so many people do, that muddies the water. You know, sheep love to get in the water and muddy it around sometimes. But we had to watch, and we had to wait. Truth flood. So we prayed, and God, what, who, who was associated with the flood? Noah. Noah! So as we prayed, God told us, we, we weren't sure. Was it just a truth flood for Washington, D.C.? Was it a truth flood for America? Is it a truth flood for the world? We read the word prayerfully, fasting and praying, and God said, count 150 days, because it was 150 days from the beginning of the flood till the time that the ark rested on the mount. Okay? So we started counting the days. We finally got that word from the Lord. We got the calendar down. I was getting excited. And we're one, two, three, four, five, and we're counting 150. And guess where that day brought us? In the middle of the feast of tabernacles. So now, that was a new day for the earth, you see, 150 days after the flood had come. 
And that was a new day and a new beginning for mankind after they stepped out of the ark that day. And so we didn't know. We got excited. We go, guys, it's going to end up in the middle of the feast. And then as we counted the days up, we were like, we, we think it's on the fifth day of the feast. And that has high significance because Jesus snuck in in the middle of the feast when you read about him coming to the feast. And so there's a lot more prophetic things to come. But I want to tell you, if you take a look around about the truth flood, this week there was, and, and then remember, God led us into the courts of heaven, and we started, I invited the ministry here. We didn't get too much on the courts of heaven, unfortunately. We're going to have to have a whole conference on that sometime, just to share the revelation and what God is doing there. But what did you see? What did you hear all week long? It's courts of heaven going on here. We've got the accuser up there trying to accuse and tear down truth and bring forth accusations and lies. But I'm going to tell you something. The truth flood has come. I believe it's a new day. I believe we've seen ever since May 5th in this 150 days, we have seen one truth be revealed and revelated and turned up and people dropping out like flies, aren't they? Leaders who thought they were arrogant, who thought they had it all sewn up, and they're dropping out like flies. So the truth is coming. And it's not just coming to Washington, D.C. It's coming to America. It's coming to the world. Because God is releasing his truth right now. Amen? He's releasing his truth. So as we watch this continue to play out, I believe that the truth will prevail. It will prevail. And there was some other stuff about Supreme Court justices and stuff all the way weaved in this 150-day wait out. And God is revealing it. It's about the courts of heaven are in session, folks. And as we begin to operate in the courts of heaven, and as we begin to take our given seat of authority, we will be seeing things decrease coming from the judge of all judges, from the judge of the ages, Almighty God himself, to begin to correct the course that humanity has chosen to go. And you, the people of God, will be the ones, if you're in your word, to direct them and bring them and to correct the course. You're going to tell them the what? The truth. You're going to tell them the good news. You're going to tell them what God thinks about it. Not what this news station thinks about it or this group or what have you. None of that matters. It matters what he thinks. Amen? Now, one revelation I got on this accuser, so that's it in a nutshell prophetically of where we're at. We are in the days of awe. We also had an earthquake this week during the feast that made the headlines, a horrific earthquake. Believe me, I don't like to see it when things happen, but God showed me in 2015 that many of these tragedy things that happen in the earth realm are directly, absolutely connected to the war, the wars of the Lord. The wars of the Lord. It says in the word that, that Jesus is a mighty man of war. 
And God, there are wars going on in the heavens right now because Satan knows his time is absolutely short. He isn't even got the length of a shoestring. And he's going crazy. And you see it demonically happening. I mean, people are flipping out. It's just nuts. They're going crazy because he's going crazy. His time is short. There really isn't anything he wouldn't do. He doesn't care. He has no compassion. He has no mercy. He's here to rob, kill, destroy. Hunt you down. Destroy. Abort abort your destiny. Destroy and abort the destiny of the church, of the bride of Christ. And so we find ourselves in this season. I got distracted. Okay. Don't have my notes to keep me on track. But let's go to one of the things I heard here this week. Um, We didn't get really anything on the courts, but this. Something that Joy said, that wasn't what hit me. I mean, she said a lot of stuff. It was the accuser. It was the accuser. We've been to the courts of heaven. We've done it a few times with the elders, and we're learning things, and in how to come before God. But when you go into the courts of heaven, God is there and the multitude is there. And the accuser is on one side, like in a courtroom. And there's you, or whatever you're there for, on the other. And we're hearing the testimony. We think of testimony in a lot of ways. It says the testimony is prophecy, the prophetic word of Christ. We come in that courtroom and the accuser is there to accuse us. Just like you did Job. Read the book of Job. If you don't understand what I'm saying, go to the beginning of Job and you'll get the picture of the courtroom. It continues on today. He comes day and night to accuse us. But there's witnesses on both sides. We just saw that this week. Some are speaking truth. Some are speaking lies. Some are speaking perverted truth. Most of the time when the enemy comes in to accuse you, what is he speaking? Not necessarily. He's there to accuse you. And believe me, he knows the law. And he knows that you're a sinner. And he knows you've broken it. And this is what I got on them. And here's the facts. There's only one way. One way you can get out of that. The mediator, the blood of Jesus, has covered my sin. And Jesus is in that courtroom. But when she was talking about the accuser, the Lord just showed me the picture. I think she even mentioned it. I'm not sure. I kind of tuned out of the word and went into what the Lord was speaking. Whoa. Scary. She was talking about the things he was pulling out of his bag, of tricks. And they're not tricks necessarily, it's the way he's going to win. 
Have you agreed with the accuser against one of your brothers or your sisters? Have you spoken words about their weakness or their sin or where they're just not cutting it with someone else? Or have you, usually we definitely like to tell somebody else what we've seen. If something's wrong. And it's like I saw him pick out of that bag a statement. Could it be with your name on it? Could it be, well, Kathy Janice had this to say about Barb. One of your prophets, one of your leaders. She had this to say about that. Here it is. We wrote it down. I just really got the fear of the Lord about it. Betty, Mama Betty's always telling us every idle word. He said you'll account for every idle word. Is any of the words or the things that you're speaking agreeing with the accusations of the enemy about one another or a leader or something, a, a topic or a subject that you think you know? And has the enemy got the goods on something that really is none of our business? Do you understand what I'm saying? If we see a weakness, we should be praying about it or doing something positive about it. Like Matt said, keep praying. You know? So that really touched my heart. Man, I don't want to have anything I've got in the arsenal of the bag of the accuser. Do you? I hope that paints a clear picture for you. I hope you see that you are vulnerable. Do you hear me? Let's just bring it home. We are vulnerable to that. He will try to trick us with our divine perceptions and discernments. And we, I do not want him catching me on that. Amen? So I really repented for any, anything that, even thoughts. Jesus t- took us to the next level of the law. He said, it's not even if you committed adultery, it's if you did it in your heart. In your thoughts. So you hear what I'm saying? Let's get clean. Let's keep it clean. Clean machine this year. Let's just seek him on a daily basis. Let's not go to bed without saying, Father, God, search my heart, oh God, and see if there be anything in here that I don't know about. Because it's stuff like that you don't think about, do you? So we had all these awesome words. The word was rich this morning. The young people were rich. I mean, just all of it's good. We can get the tapes. We can rehearse them. Um, That's all I wanted to really tell you. I've already told you these are the days of awe. We're going to see earthquakes and floods, tsunamis. That's happened this week. Um, When you see that, those things wipe out things. But once it's all said and done, something new is restored. So let's just pray and seek the face of God in this year. Continue to Watch and see how he's going to unfold, as Pastor Lonnie would always say, his truth. 
and this flood of truth that we find ourselves in. And keep praying for your leaders, as Mama Betty always tells us, and all those things. And um, that's all I have to say. So would you like to say something, Fanna? Next, I'm sensing to hand it to you, and then you hand it to somebody else, okay? I'm going to put my timer on because Pastor said 10 minutes, but maybe I'll try to just go five. <laughs> but I like to have my timer. Okay. Um, in Mark chapter 5, Jesus cast out a legion of demons. The reason he could cast out the legion, which is three to 6,000 demons, is because he had nothing in common and nothing in agreement with legion. If we want power and how many want to see signs and wonders and healings and miracles in this earth, we can have nothing in common with the enemy. We're getting cleansed. We're doing what Pastor Kathy just said, is that we're checking ourselves that we have nothing in common with the enemy. No words out of our mouth, no judgments, no thoughts. Whatever we see that may not be right, we have to take it to the Lord. Lest the enemy take those words and accuse us in the courts of heaven. Amen? And so um, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Amen? And one of the things that the Lord uh, showed me was great grace was coming. The number 5779 being in the Hebrew, 5, grace, 7, 7, double maturity, and 9, um, the fruits of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit are being birthed, because 9 represents 9 months of birthing also, that if we want to walk in these gifts we've so desired, how many so desire to walk in the gifts of the Spirit supernaturally, I mean at the grocery store, not just here at church, but out there on the streets and in the highways and the byways and the schools, in the schools. How many want to see the schools on fire with signs, wonders, and miracles? The Lord is showing me that Galatians 5, 6, my faith is only activated by my love walk with Jesus. And it literally says, your faith is activated by love. And that the love of Jesus has got to mature in us. Such love where we walk in his kingdom mentality, because he is the king of kings and the lord of lords, we don't see him necessarily um, with the crown of thorns on his head, but we honor that as we will always honor the cross. But we now see Jesus with the crown upon his head, riding on a white horse, triumphing, ride in majesty and kingdom mentality. Because he is the king, and we are in his kingdom. 
And um, I got that scripture, Isaiah 45, 4 and 5. And in your majesty, ride prosperous, pros, prosperously because of truth. Psalms 45, 4 and 5. And in your majesty, ride prosperously because of truth, humility, and righteousness, and strap your sword to your side, warriors. Ride majestically, ride triumphantly, and ride on the side of truth. So we are to take a ride with the truth, with Jesus and his kingdom mentality. And then the other thing that I just wanted to review was that... um, especially the names that the Lord has given to us, that we need to secure our... I'm like, in my brain, I'm praying in tongues. I'm sorry. We need to secure our identity in Christ and the names that he calls us because the accuser of the brethren has many names for us that are not our names. And he's called me everything from ugly to, you know, all kinds of names. I don't even want to say them. But the Lord gave me supernaturally 80 names. One day I started in the Word. This is why you have to know the Word. Because one word after another came to me. And I got 80 names that God calls us on a handout. And Sean has some. If you didn't get one, raise your hand. And if you want one, there's these handouts. Because here's what I say when the enemy tries to accuse me. No, God has called me a believer, an ambassador, the apple of his eye. And I go down the list. Amen? This is what God calls me. This is the names that God has given me these names. He's given you these names, people. We need to know the names that the Lord has called us. And he is the name above all other names. If anything, cry out the name of Jesus. Just cry out, I am a follower and a son and a daughter of Jesus Christ, the Most High God, and He's the King of kings, and He's the Lord of lords, and He is the name above all other names. Amen? Ooh. And I am healed, and I am an heir with Christ, and I am Hespa, and my delight, and His delight, and I am His creation, and I am in the image of God, and I am a joint heir, and I am the light of the world, because He's called me the light of the world, with truth and humility. Amen? With truth and humility. Amen. Amen. Okay. Okay, we uh, we talked about maturity in the Lord and um, and how it's it's important to have um, 
to have, uh, as she was saying, our identity in the Lord. And Roy was talking about how to get that identity in the Lord by taking back our authority. But also, um, with that maturity comes, uh, do we deny the Lord opportunity to move in power? What do we substitute for the power of prayer? And powerless is not being ready for the return of Christ. So, um, and are we, do we ascribe power to God? Oh, oh, let us start to ascribe power to God and that he is worthy of, of empowering his servants. So we have to give him the ability to give us the power because if we don't receive it from him, then we can't walk in it. I'm a sprinter, almost. <laughs> a while ago when we were worshiping, um, I opened up Ezekiel a little bit, but I didn't actually finish it. I talked about the wheel was in the wheel, and I want to get back to that just for a second here. Before we came here, for two weeks before, the Lord took me to Ezekiel. I'd been in there quite a little bit before we came here even. Uh, Sean and Cassie had talked to us weeks and weeks ago about the courts of heaven with Robert Henderson. Well, Sue and I dove into that like we jumped in a swimming pool. We've been in that ever since, they called us. And I don't know when that was, it was some weeks ago. You've got to take the plunge, church. Joy, when she came here and taught, I mean, my goodness gracious, we didn't get into a lot, but, but there's a lot there. There's a lot for all of us. And I'd been asking the Lord, what, what is there for me here? And he says, when you get there, there's going to be a court of heaven for you. Well, when I was on the floor, there, whenever that, when was that? Last night? Oh, my goodness. Every night. Every night, yeah. <laughs> but last night, I actually was in the court of heaven. Uh, I was by the chair there, and the next thing I know, he had me on my face. And I actually went into the court last night. I was there. I was laid out. And I knew Daddy was right there. He was right there. And he was really chit-chatting with me. He says, okay, I told you you were going to have an encounter at the conference. And I did. I had a big one down there. He says, okay, this is your time. Remember that? I've been talking to you for weeks and weeks. He says, now, give it up. I did. (laughs) I keep it up, what he had been asking me. And that's between me and him. Secret place. But I'll tell you, I gave it up. And I shot 100 miles high. Well, he's a lot further than 100 miles. (laughs) But I actually did do business with the daddy, the Abba. Big time. And boy, do I have some more freedom. But see, that's an everyday occurrence. We have that opportunity. So another thing that happened, too, I was in my room, and uh, who, who was it said uh, we should have more dreams and visions? I don't know. Was it, was it Wes? So, someone was talking about more dreams and visions. And uh, I was laying there in my bed the other night, and, and Sue knows I dialogue a lot with the Lord, sometimes to uh, keep her awake. The other night, I actually, above my bed, we, I saw the lion, the lion that's on the, uh, on the wall out there. 
He was right above the bed. That was just the other night. Right there, we were in the, is that, what do you call that, the pen, penthouse? Or? The penthouse. The penthouse there. In other words, the nosebleed section over there. <laughs> By the time you get there, go, <laughs> it's wonderful, it's glorious over there. But let me read Isaiah real quick. And I had a few other things, but I'm not going to go over them. I, I want to take you on a little. Okay, I want to take you on a little bit of a journey here. See, Ezekiel, I was talking about the wheel within the wheel. This is a very important thing, church. Extremely important. I've studied on this over the years, many, many years. But I want to speak out of verse number 16, just about three or four verses, and then I'll end this. This is Ezekiel, of course, chapter one. He said, well, actually, I want to to do verse uh, 14. And the living beings are in and fro like bolts of lightning. As I looked at the living beings, behold, there was one wheel within the earth beside the living beings for each of the four of them. 16. The appearance of the wheels and their workmanship was like sparkling barrel, and all of them had the same form their appearance and workmanship being as if one wheel are with another. Ooh, this should get into your spirit, and you should be doing jumping jacks, church. Oh my goodness, this just gets this rings my bell. Ooh. So uh, wherever they moved, they moved in any of their four directions without turning as they moved. You have to understand, this is total spirit. This has nothing to do with mind, will, emotions. This is totally spirit, 100%. You see, many of these Bible writers way before us said, and suddenly I was in the spirit. See, we're the same. And suddenly you're in the spirit. Your mind, will, your emotions has nothing. I have about two more minutes here, okay. And as their rims, they were lofty and awesome, and the rims of all four of them full of eyes all around. Can't you imagine having spirit eyes all around? You could move any which way, any which way, any which way, as if on a celestial chariot. This just zips my zipper. Woo! My goodness gracious. Whenever the living beings moved, the wheels moved with them, and wherever the beings rose from the earth, the wheels rose also. Wherever the spirit was about to go, they would go in that direction, and the wheels rose close behind them, for the spirit of the living God was in the wheels. Say, Lord, I want to get on a celestial chariot, and I want to move wherever the spirit moves me. Oh! <laughs> Thank you. Now, I just want to shift gears for a second. Sean, I want us to reflect on what the Lord has done. And uh, Sheila, if you'd be ready, and also Betty, prophetically, what has the Lord done? I want to review, and John as well. What has happened in these eight days? What has prophetically happened as we review, not what we have taught, but what He has done. That's going to set the course for us. So John, or uh, John Waller, would you 
Would you just take your 10 minutes? Establish what you've seen over this eight days. Amen. <clears throat> so, um, the Lord does a thing in the earth. <clears throat> and He does it in terms of types and shadows. And then it happens again in a different time different place there are different people we heard about we heard a lot of things this week you are born for a time such as this and I'm going to shorten up a lot the first night we heard about repentance and then we heard about being kings and priests and then we heard about the power if we're not willing to face ourselves and repent, we won't move on. We're going to stay right where our church is at. The call is to become kings and priests in the order of Melchizedek, who is, was without beginning and was without end. carry the power. And so, the thing that I'm very aware of is that we have a choice. And it's a prophetic choice. We have been called to a time such as this. This property is a prophetic property. This property is much like the property where Isaac was sacrificed on. David built the temple on. You have been called to a very special place. This is the days of the revealings of the sons. These are the days of the revealing of the kings and the priests. These are the days where we will either decide to take our own thoughts, our own there was a cry from a young lady that stood here before us. And that young lady said, this is what we need. And she was very clear. She said, I need to see you repenting. I need to see you leading in righteousness. Not more teachings, not more places of, this is my theology. This is my ways that I see things. That's not what the younger generation that she stood here was crying out for. They're crying out for kings and priests that have repented of the ways of man. And they're embracing the word that is coming out of heaven. Abraham went to sacrifice what he thought was the way to truth in a land called Moriah. And when she stood here before us, the same thing is happening today in a different time and in a different place through a different people. And I don't want to be one of those 
that comes to the prophetic destiny, the verge of the kingdom, and declare my own theology and my own understanding. I've been trained up for 25 years, but I'm not going to rely on that in order to walk in the promises that were revealed during this time. And there was a call back through repentance to embrace the kingly anointing and the prophetic anointing that every single one of you have. And then she said, it's not for a different people. And so I see Abraham was changed out of that experience. They talked about Jacob and the fear of the Lord and awe and wonder. And they talked about Ananias and Sapphira. For those that choose want to be like void of the power not real and in these days I want to be so real with repentance and not embarrassed or ashamed and not hiding like I'm okay and then the last thing that I want to share is she said you go to the courtroom to hear what the accuser has to say about you. That's why you go to the courtroom. He isn't going to speak something on somebody else. So as we go to the courtroom in this year, perpetually, over and over again, the only thing, the answer that we can answer when we hear the accusation against us The blood of Jesus Christ. Forgive me. Guilty. And I'm going to trust in the mercy of God. And I'm going to trust in the mercy and the grace of the Father. That He's going to take every single accusation against the sons of God and render them thrown out of court so that they never come before him again. That's where the growth is. That's the cry of that young lady that stood here. This is what I need from you leaders. This is what I need. This is what my generation wants and hungers for. Something real. Something tangible. Um, just real, brief, real, real briefly, I was um, when she said uh, the the sword strapped to your side. Uh, what I was reminded of was was the uh, the fact that this is the year of five seven seven nine, and the nine represents uh, nine is representative of the word tet, and tet has a double meaning. And it, it's the coiled serpent which symbolizes Satan and the accuser. And then it also uh, represents the pregnant woman about to give birth. And God is birthing now the, the new move of God. And there's a shift 
And so what God wants us to, to realize is that we are in a war, and, and all these things that have been said, we have to realize our enemy and not allow him to win because in every, every revival, there's always the enemy trying to put it down, trying to put the fire out and trying to be uh, the accuser so that he can squash what God wants to do. And we can't let it happen this time. We can't let it happen. So that's all I wanted to say. So whoever you're handing this to next, again, uh, what Sean just said is the way we do that is through repentance, forgiveness, to get the power. Receive the grace to do what God is commanding. Amen. Ready? just read what I had written. Um, There's been so much, and I think the main thing is um, how God is ungendicizing the church. He's not called us to have the agendas that we have uh, just agended him out of the, out of our, out of the the whole church service almost, everywhere I go in America, and I, I think uh, obscurity kept came into my mind. Every word, uh, when I came in here, every time I kept saying, this is the obscurity of people that God's saying he's going to use. Y'all keep hearing that word across the nation. He's going to use the obscure, the obscure, and it's like the best kept secret. And God just spoke to me, uh, a few moments ago, and he says, everybody keeps saying this is a new move. It's not really a new move. It's the next move. It's the next move because we are always in a progression moving forward. And I think that's why in the depth of what we've experienced, just I've got only got here on Tuesday and, of course, was out a couple of days not feeling well, but I kept hearing the Lord say, next move. And so here's what I felt like when I was kind of not here, but here on the premises. I feel like I have a word for the house, and I feel like I have a word of what, how the Lord showed me. But he said, um, I felt I heard the Lord say he wanted us to hear that we are in the call of God as never before. We're all in a call of God as never before. You've been called to such a place as this. And we've been told that we are filled now with new wine, fresh wine. And it's up to us to take that wine and to deliver it to the places many of us will leave here. And it's our obligation. Did you hear me? Obligation to take this wine to our own hometowns, our own places, wherever we go. Many of you will travel many different places. You're called to be there because he called us as never before to be established. And that means I'm not withering left to right. 
I'm not waning left or right. I'm not in sometimes and out sometimes. I'm coming all the way in to the veil where the veil was rent. I'm going in behind it. He said, he is building upon the cornerstone. I heard that the first night that I came here. And he said, the cornerstone is Christ's word. And the word that God shows you, whether you're in the courts of heaven or you're just in a place of prayer or just in a place of worship, and I don't say just as, as a just, but I'm saying in those places, that the word and his spirit always must agree. For Satan come to steal and to kill and destroy, and immediately in Mark 4, it says when the seeds were planted, some were planted on soft ground, some were planted on hard ground, some were planted on rocky ground, and some of it never sprang forth. Why? Because the ground was not truly prepared, and the people planting it did not cultivate. And the Lord said, I've called you to cultivate this, this eight days. I've called you to go back over. And I believe that every one of us need a website. We need to hear that. And we need to go back over and listen again and again. I also heard the Lord say, as I was in a store and I invited someone here, they looked at me like I had three heads when I invited them to come to Praise Chapel. Like, you're kidding me, you're here to go there? And even ourselves have said word curses over it. And the Lord said the days of the word curses of the past are stopping. Satan come but to still kill and destroy. But Jesus says, I came to give praise chapel new life. Zoe life. The Lord's day. He's giving a new name. I don't know if y'all have been considering a new name. But the Lord said, there's a new name coming. Not because of word curses being stopped, but because of establishment of what he has done here these last eight days. He said the realm of the spiritual life ministry and the people that are called to this house are not just called to this house, but they're called to the community and to nations. You've been gifted with a heavenly outpouring and operating in the heavenlies with an inherited anointing. And the Lord said an inherited anointing between you is a double portion. But this is no longer a double portion. Church, this is a third day. Something happened in these last days that y'all went to a new dimension. The Lord said it wasn't a level. It was a dimension. And you need to study the word dimension because God operates and moves in the heavenlies, the third dimension of heaven, the second dimension of heaven. It's a dimension, not a level, the Lord would say. He said the third day resurrection power is the dimension. This house shall be called established in the third day power here on this earth. Not a wavering faith or anointing. It's a yoke breaking, chain destroying, power producing, moving in the Holy Spirit which aligns to the cornerstone of God's love, God's power, and God's people to be the people that he created them to be before the foundations of the earth. 
and I will not for time's sake, but I will give you the scripture that the Lord spoke, and it's long, but it is the scripture in Colossians 2, 1 through 15, if you would like to read it. I got to do the same thing, Sister Dana, the Holy Ghost is going in my spirit. But here's I want to read the the main frame of of the scripture that he gave me for this house. You want me to read it? Okay. And this one last word. The courts of heaven agree, and the will of the Father of his Son's power will be released in this house for his glory, his benefit, and the people to be eternally changed, saith the Lord. I want you to know how much I have agonized, this is the scripture, and for the church of Laodicea, and for many other believers who have never met me personally. I want you to be encouraged and knitted together by strong ties of love. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysteries plan. Oh, Shanikita. Oh, sorry. Which is in Christ himself. In him lies hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I am telling you this so that no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. For though I am far away from you, Paul was speaking, my heart is with you. I am rejoicing that you are living as you should and that your faith in Christ is strong. And now just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots, this is the scripture, let your roots Grow deep into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth and you will be taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of the world rather than from Christ. For in Christ lives the fullness of the Godhead of the human in the human body. So you also are complete through your union in Christ, who the head over every ruler and authority. When Christ came, you were circumcised not by physical procedure. Christ performed spiritual circumcision. And I believe that everyone that's been here, you, I know for me, I had physical circumcision and then I had spiritual circumcision. And it says, the cutting away of the sinful nature. For we were buried in Christ when you were baptized, but when you were raised to new life, because you trusted in the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead, you were dead because your sins, because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. How many of y'all can say this week, I was cut away. There was something in my soulless realm cut away. There's something to me that I don't want to ever be the same. I don't want to ever go back. I don't want to ever go back to the way things was. And then he says, for he forgave all of our sins. Look at your neighbor say, all my sins forgiven. All them forgiven. Ooh. And he says, and he took away it by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. Satan's a liar. Satan's a loser. And the only reason he wants to keep you thinking that you are a liar and a loser is because he has no other people to work with. 
Because when you realize your identity, you're not going to give him place. You're not going to give him time. You're not going to give him anything of your life because you surrendered it this week to Jesus Christ. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. He shamed Satan publicly. So I want to encourage you tonight. There was one part that I believe that we missed this week that I would like to go back to. And I just want to say when Sister Wesley was preaching, when she asked us as the older generation, she asked us to be to them fathers and mothers. She didn't ask us to be prophets, apostles, priests and kings. She asked us to be fathers and mothers in the faith. And so I publicly have two children that are 35 and 37. And I publicly am going home. I already did it with one. I'm publicly going home to my generation. That I am a natural mother too. But I found a root, and someday I'll get to come back and share I found a root this weekend, this, this week, that I realized that I had feared with one of my children for years. And because of the stripping that the Lord did on the floor there, I can now go home and say, I thought I was a failure. But unless you know that you know, and I had to go to the courts of heaven sitting right there, to realize that when I go to my son and I say, I want you to forgive me for this, he's not holding it against me. Somebody needs to hear this. He's just waiting for me to admit and ask him to forgive me. It's not something I did wrong. It's not something, it's something someone did. But I wasn't sure until sitting on that floor and then it suddenly, it was like my body was attacked. But you know what? I'm not giving the devil credit. Because I believe if each one of us can find those places that we can go back and we can say, forgive me. I thought I was doing the right thing, but all I was doing was what I could do. And that's what this house is going to do. And once we start doing that, and the name of the Lord Jesus Christ is established, and the new name is established, and then that double portion anointing that's inherited, there's something about an inherited anointing with both of you that God is going to bring even greater. Like Saul with David, that wasn't, that wasn't, a, good, that wasn't a good passing. But Jonathan with David... Even though they weren't real brothers, there was an anointing that was uh, an inherited anointing that he gave over. And, and, and when we see what God wants to do, all we have to do is say, Father, I failed the last generation. And you know what my failure was? I was so broken as a young Christian and a young mother that I was looking for acceptance. From the church, rather than looking to Jesus. And because of that, my children suffered. One served the Lord greatly, 
but one that had a different personality didn't understand my zeal and my leaving, calling it ministry. So what we need to do here is understand that the enemy, he's going to always accuse us. He's going to always try to defeat us. He's going to always bring up those what ifs, how come, didn't you say that? But when you go before the court of God and you stand before him and he knows your heart and he establishes our heart and when our hearts get full of him, then we can know that we are truly forgiven and that we truly can walk in the fullness of the glory, not his glory, but that glory that's showering down on us because we stepped out of ourselves into what he called us to be in Jesus' name. Amen. John? Hallelujah. I really didn't want to say anything because, you know me, I don't like to say stuff. But as I sat there and I was listening to all the different things, all of a sudden things started to, you know, come to my mind here. So I, I, I want to start off with the very first day, Lonnie, when you said that this is your 49th feast. Just take that apart, and you've got seven by seven, equaling 49. Seven, of course, meaning maturity, perfection, completion. You've completed a cycle in your life and in ministry that God is saying, okay, the old is finished. Now we've come into this eight days of the feast starting over again. Okay? When, when things weren't so well, God always had to wipe off to the earth, the evil. And he always had to start over again to, to, to establish his kingdom, to establish his covenant, to establish his, you know, his purposes on the earth. And, and I believe that the things that you've gone through, Kathy, physically, Lonnie, physically, uh, what you've gone through in the church with, with individuals and with just stuff that happens, and it happens everywhere. I was sharing with uh, uh, Ms. Debbie here some of the things that we go through in our church. You know, it's not, it's not a one thing that, you know, just one person's going through it, but we all go through it and stuff like that. But I was just saying, you know, it was almost like saying, you know what, it's, it's, it's time, it's over. It's over. We're starting again. You know, what the devil stole, guess what? The Bible says he has to return sevenfold. Okay, so you've got double seven. Actually, it's more than just double. You're talking about seven times seven. Amen. So you've got a lot of stuff coming back to you. Um, also, there was a, you know, what I wanted to share today also is that, you know, in the animal kingdom, uh, I believe that there's a call that's coming out, and I think with the uniting of all the different people from, from all different places, people that we've just met and have fallen in love and become family, uh, I believe that, that God is calling us to a place of unity, okay? In the animal kingdom, you know, if you watch, there's a, there, there are lions or hyenas that are roaming, looking for a, for, looking for a meal, Okay, and, and when the herd is together, they keep their distance. You see, there's been competitiveness in the church. There's been backbiting in the church. There's been disunity in the church. And so what happens is that the devil has a place to accuse because of the fact that we have allowed him because of the choices that we've made in our lives. And believe me, the things that, we, that, that are in our lives... It's because we allow them to happen. These are choices that we make. 
Okay, and we have the ability to stop those things, and we do that by simply just saying, you know what, enough's enough. I'm going to stop accusing my brethren. I'm going to stop talking about them. I'm going to stop looking at them like they're, like they're, they're goofy. Okay, and I'm going to start loving them the way that God loved me. Okay, listen, I was unlovely for, the, for, you know, for the longest time in my life, and sometimes I wonder if I'm still unlovely because sometimes, sometimes the way I act. But we, still have, but we still have a God who loves us no matter what. He's, we have a Father that won't turn his back on us. You know, we may have turned our back on one another at times. And when I say we, not us, but in society. God is saying it's time to come back to that place where we start walking hand in hand. We start walking in that unity because, you see, a house divided against itself will not stand. Okay? And if, and if, and if you really want power... The Bible says we're to agree as touching anything, asking of the Father. It'll be given. See, I don't need a whole bunch of people, but guess, you know, start multiplying when we start working together. Take that seven times seven, okay, and, 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 and watch what God does in your life. All right? Uh, something I've, ta- I've taught my, my church, and, and of course because we've received communion, there has been such a disunity. And what I teach my church in communion is, and this is not, I'm not saying this is doctrine, this is just John, okay? That if we took that word when Jesus said, as often as you do these things, do this in remembrance of me. So take the first two letters out of remember and just move it aside for a little bit, okay? And this is where the church has been, divided against itself. But when you partake of communion, and when we begin to start putting aside those things and we start repenting, all of a sudden what we're saying is, God, we want to reunite our family back together. So when he says, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me, I believe that another aspect, if, if I may, is that what he's saying is that let's get reconnected. When you receive communion, let's get reconnected. Remember. Bring us back together to that place where we were able to walk as one in the Spirit. Because when we walk in that agreement, there's nothing that can stop us. And there's nothing that the devil can do that can hinder us in anywhere, in any place, in any, in anywhere in our life. Amen? Um, so we've been called out of the status quo, the way that the world, the, world, the way that the church has functioned. It's time to change. All right? Um, And and just finally, what I shared this morning, just don't forget, as you begin that expectation process in your life, don't forget to add the preparation, okay, so that you won't be devastated in your life. Amen. Beautiful. Mama, come up and speak. Take your time and tell us what you've seen in these eight days, what God's speaking. Betty, yeah. Tell us what you've seen God do in these eight days. God's good. Amen. I think that um, we must really be observant. I'm going to tell you why in a few minutes. 
God's the God of order, not of confusion. And this uh, breaking out on me is from confusion. Because I'm a person of order, I don't like confusion. And I believe that God don't either. Amen. What I heard this week was I heard that young people want some others. That was confirmation to me. I can say I'm a mama. <laughs> and I have never told anybody to call me mama. Never. And I find I'm a mama everywhere I go. People I don't even know. People's telling me, 30 years ago, you taught me. This is the other day in California. And it changed my life. I never, don't remember seeing that man. I don't remember his face. Isn't that something? I've been out here a long time, but God, uh, God uh, people are looking for something real. They're, wa- they're wanting you to tell them the truth. And that's that's what I'm looking for, too, is I think that we need to do something about young people. And I'm doing something. I have a 13-year-old in my school, and we're going to send her to the mission field. She has already read my book on on uh, Can Women Preach. She's already memorized all the books of the Bible. And she's so eager to go to the field and minister the gospel like this little girl was talking. She went all overseas and went all these places and had to walk all that way and just took care of one man. Isn't that something? You hear her? You hear what she's saying? How important that was? But you know what in heaven, how God looks about that one He'd leave the whole bunch to go get that one. I think that a feast is a time for you to come away and rejoice in the Lord. Just really rejoice and just feel His sweet presence. You know, you got a whole year next year and you need this time. It's almost like a honeymoon. Just come away, my beloved, with me and let me just love on you. Amen. Let me just feed you all this good food. This is one time I'll let you eat, Betty. This is one time you can feast and enjoy it. This is one time you can sing to me. This is one time you can have a good time with me because I'm going to visit you because you pulled away from everything else and just come and sit in my presence. Amen. I don't know about you, when I sit around and I hear all this good music, I let it penetrate me. I just sit there and let it go through my entire body. You see, your your body moves on that. Your body loves that. You know, your heart beats to music. I have really, I think I could go home and go to heaven. The reason I say that is, I have lived to see my seed minister the gospel. Not one or two, but many, many this week, both in California and here. I cannot tell you how refreshing and how wonderful that is. It drives me. It makes me want to go back and just get that many more. It's so exciting. And I'm saying this to you too. You know, I've been coming up here a long time. I expect to hear you be called Mama soon. I expect to hear that you're bringing young teenagers in. 
I was talking to one of Dana's members last week, and she said she was bragging. She was excited that they made her the... They told me I was a pastor over the teens. And she went on Wednesday night and come back. I only had one, but I enjoyed him. And I said, well, honey, when someone tells you that you're a pastor over the teens, it's your responsibility to go out there. Now you go out and you find you a whole bunch of teens. And you bring them into the church. That's what it's all about. I said, it's your responsibility to go get them teenagers now. And I said, you go get them, you bring them in there. And I said, you teach them the Word of God. I said, they have that faith in you that you could really do that. And you should be doing the same thing. But we are not teaching tonight, but boy, I was going to tear you up. I was going to teach on the church. God is good, isn't he? You know I love you, don't you? And... I've really enjoyed myself, and I thank you so much. God's good. I know I've done something right because the devil jumped on me, tried to hurt me. Amen? He's good all the time. I just want to say when Wesley spoke, she was directing it to those in leadership or older people, but I just want to let you know also as you young people, you got to be real. Have to show your weakness. All the relationships, all the people that you see, the workplace. You don't have to be correct. You don't have to be something special, showing them that you're different than they are. You gotta just show them that you are real. You're not afraid to talk about who you are and the way you live and the things that you do. You don't have to be afraid about telling them that you're either nervous or worried about something, but you trust God. And so really this name change and the things that are being spoken, you don't realize the confirmation that's transpiring. Amen. Which is? Spiritual life ministry. But what you can sense and see is is that as Wesley was standing up here, you're the conduit. You're the arm, you're the reaching out of the very thing that these young people, if these young people as Christians are looking for the real, what's the world kids looking for? The suicides, I mean, it's just out of control. Places of acceptance. Places of somebody being real. You don't have to thump anybody over the head with the Bible. Just talk to them. I mean, stop and think about it. I mean, how does that tear at your heart? Man, could this be someone who's going to notice me? Is this someone that's going to care about me? Come on, that was heart-wrenching to me, man. It just hit me. It just brought me. Yeah. Yeah. And we already know what you do is, is look, and this is a fatherless nation. Come on. And so I really believe that, not impressed of who we know, not impressed, you know, have you ever gone to the streets of New Orleans? Guy opens up his coat, got all his wares. Want to buy a necklace? 
to young people. And that's the thing that I began to, I mean, the conviction of watching the Word being expressed through Wesley and Hudson, but recognizing for you young people also, that's a call to you to be real as a young Christian man or woman and just begin to allow your weaknesses, your places in your life to then have access to other people that are around you because you're an open book and they're watching you. And you are probably more susceptible for someone reaching out than someone like myself or my age. And so I just I just thank all of you because we're being really, uh, as Lou Ingalls changed the call to the send. It's in the Spirit. You're being sent out. And the Lord said, who is willing to go? You know what? You're already being sent. Now you just have to begin to use that which He's given you as to who you are, as the identity that am my weaknesses. He's going to use that. He's going to confine the wise in your weakness. In the places that are truly reserved for this time. So is there anybody else that has anything else that they would like to say? Because I'm... Yeah, oh, that's it, exactly. Thank you, Kevin. If Norman was here, he would want to give us the... Uh, Ironic blessing. And thank you, Jesus, for Kevin. I love you so much, Kevin. I am so thankful that you come and are faithful every, every year. Because he's going to... It would not. He's going to speak it in English. But he's absolutely... But he's also going to speak it in Hebrew. Amen. <laughs> Um, get on the right page here. All right, so the Aaronic blessing is in your Bible, uh, number 6, starting at verse 22. And um, there it is. Uh, it says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and to his sons, saying, Thus you shall bless the sons of Israel. You shall say to them, and then your English version says, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And if you stop right there, that's pretty good. But if you read one more verse, there's just a small problem. <laughs> it says, So they shall invoke my name on the sons of Israel, and then I will bless them. Okay. Lord is in his name. That's a title. And it's not even a title that's exclusively reserved for God. Sarah called Abraham Lord. And to this day, uh, landowners in England are called Lord. So I thought I'd, uh, I'd give you the ironic blessing the way God wanted it given. Uh, I'm going to use his name, which 
uh, recent research has pretty much proven the pronunciation is Yehovah. Okay, uh, they've they've now found over 1,500 ancient manuscripts that have all the vowel points and show it that way. So I'm also going to say it in Hebrew, um, using the name. Yivarecha Yehovah Vayishmarecha. Ya'er Yehovah Panavalecha Vichunecha. Yisa Yehovah Panavelecha Yasem Lecha Shalom.